0: Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where normally we read an old fanfic and talk about it. But due to various COVID-19 related inconveniences, we have not been able to record one every week. And this week, left to their own devices, my co-hosts Dom and Tori are doing what they are wont to do when left to their own devices, which is talk about American animation. So I hope you enjoy this special episode, and we'll be back next week with fiction written by fans.
1: So today we are talking about Midnight Gospel, which is a show mm-hmm. that was released on Netflix on April 20th of 2020. It's created <laughs> by Duncan Trussell, who has a podcast called The Duncan Trussell Family Hour, and he's that's been going on a long time. He's also like done some stuff on Comedy Central. He's a writer for Mad TV and Curb Your Enthusiasm, and you kind know, of... He's also done some voice acting, probably just in this. Um, and also by um oh my gosh, why did I forget his name? Pendleton Ward, <laughs> the creator of Adventure Time, <laughs> notably.
0: Mist- Mr. Adventure Time themselves. Yes. Yeah.
1: So this is a pretty cool show. Um It's I think it's eleven episodes. Is that correct? Eight episodes. Eight episodes, okay. Um And each episode, well, the premise of the show is kind of, we'll get into that, but basically, like, what the idea behind this show was that Pendleton Ward heard Duncan Trussell's podcast, Duncan Trussell Family Hour, and approached him actually a couple times, you know, after he finished Adventure Time, he was like, "Ah, I'm not going to do anything else again. But he had this idea (laughs) that he wanted to, like, animate Trussell's interviews, because, you know, he's got some really, like funny, amazing interviews on his podcast and he approached him a couple times and first he he was too busy and then eventually they went and they started developing the concept together and the kind of cool thing is they're using clips from the podcast and then Pendleton Ward's team then they're all working together to find the right clips and then to like put animation to them. Right. Um, and make kind of a cohesive world and story around the dialogue.
0: I was not originally aware of the podcast when I f- saw the first preview a while ago, but after I learned about it, I, I I learned about it before I watched all eight episodes, and I that meant I watched all the episodes with the eye on what is podcast original, what's added to make the make the show seem like a show. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's the funny thing is, like, so when I first saw the first episode, I was like, oh, man, this is totally, like, borrowed audio. It has to be, because I think it's actually yeah. pretty clear that the audio comes from, you know, from a podcast, from an interview, at least. But yeah, it was funny, because as the show kind of goes on, it gets a little more cohesive. And I wondered, like, <laughs> how many... That's what I found out in my research is I was like, oh, did they interview just for this did these do these interviews just for the show, or did they already exist? Yes, they already existed, so they must have had to go back and like re-record certain things. Especially because the the main character who's the interviewer in the show <laughs> is named Clancy, not Duncan. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's a couple times in the episodes where in the interviewee calls Duncan calls Duncan Duncan and it, uh, Duncan has to clarify.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I they go like it's Clancy. And then there's was was one Duncan. time Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's one time where the the other person responds says, Oh Clancy, sorry. So I, I kind of always wondered if they got someone to come back and I don't know. Some of them sound that.
0: like they recorded the interview at the same time as the the audio for for this. Some of it sounds like it was dropped in later.
1: Yeah, I think there's got to be an element of that because there's multiple things going on. Like, there's not always just one um, guest. There's also, you know, various voice actors, but there's also sometimes multiple guest interviewers. They're all interacting. It's kind of, I imagine, and I couldn't find this out, but I imagine it was all because of what Trussell says, that um, he chose revelatory moments from his podcasting career. Um, Hmm. And it actually has a really good quote about this. He says, like, when I'm doing a podcast, there are moments where my whole universe changes because someone told me something I never knew. Once you hear that you're forever changed, you live in a completely different dimension than you did before. So those were, <laughs> he, show, he handpicked those interviews. But then he also yeah. has working on the show, like his ex-girlfriend, um, Natasha lagero who's oh Peggy in episode one and someone else in episode five. So I I imagine he might have gotten her on, because she's also famous, but he might have gotten her on to...
0: Yeah, I'd recognized that name from other things before. I didn't know they were involved or had a history.
1: I found that out in my research that they used to date, so... (laughs) Um, And I think he started out his podcast with her. That's, I think, where that information came. But Mm. anyway. She's been, like, on MTV. She's an actress and a writer. There's a lot of really interesting people involved in this. Actually, um, I couldn't find much information on this, but when they were first pitching the concept to Netflix, um, Ward and Trussell got, I hope I'm saying that right. Is this, it sounds like his name should be pronounced Trussell, but I don't think I've heard it. Trussell, maybe? Trussell. You know, it's funny because I did listen to some of his podcasts, but I can't remember <laughs> if he said, <laughs> he must have said his name at some point. Um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, there were, like, a team of a bunch of comedians involved in the production, and one of them was Weird Al, and another one was Emo Phillips, so it's kind of well, crazy. Yeah, I was like, what? I can't imagine what role they played. I guess it's just, like, um, it's like part of developing the concept or maybe refining the humor. I don't know.
0: Like, bouncing ideas off, maybe, over what happens in the um, animated portions.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was a lot of the development, was trying to... Apparently, it's a very involved world. And I guess we should probably talk about that, talk about like what the show is actually a- about. Because you know we talked about the format that they've tried to slot these interviews in, but they do it in this fantasy world.
0: Right. So we have our main character, not Duncan, Clancy. Clancy, yeah. Clancy, yes, who we're told in the beginning is a simulation farmer, I think, mm-hmm. just dropped in there, who lives in a trailer out in a plot of land by themselves and they spend this character spends their time by jumping into the simulations finding a person to talk to and making a podcast or space cast they call it
1: (laughs) yep yeah and there's so much in this world but that's all we kind of get at first is right kind of hanging out he sticks his head into this very like yonic vaginal type white machine and when his head is in there then he's basically like vr into another world but it it seemed like all the planets are simulations is the implication of the name but he has all these planets he can choose from to visit and he has a talking computer that's part of the machine what do they call (laughs) it a simulator i guess
0: they mentioned Simulator a lot, I think. Yeah. I did end up liking the character of the Simulator. It had a very good voice and a good personality.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really did. Because it's, like, it's basically the only like other real, quote-unquote, real person Clancy interacts with. And like the only yeah. sort of thing he interacts with on a day-to-day basis, it calls him Master, but it also sasses him back a lot. And there's one point <laughs> where the machine starts to break down and... The simulator's just like, you know, I told you like a million times you've got to like rub <laughs> this oil on me and do all this stuff for me, and you never did it. Yeah. So now I'm melting Clancy, down. Was, like, he,
0: Clancy was like, you never told me. Uh, yeah, I told you incident one, incident two, incident three with timestamps and videos. <laughs> yeah.
1: That was in one of the 340 messages I sent you, <laughs> you know. Very sassy computer.
0: Voiced by Phil Hendry, mm-hmm. a... American radio personality, actor, and voiceover artist, according to Wikipedia.
1: Yeah, um... I feel like I should know other stuff he's been in, but he has a great voice.
0: (laughs) Great voice, great performance. Mm -hmm. So, basically, the going to the different simulations and talking to different people is the conceit for slotting these podcasting moments into the show.
1: Oh, and by the way, um, Bill Hendry has done, uh voice in Futurama, Rick and Morty, and King of the Hill. So, it's prolific.
0: (laughs) Good pedigree, yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So, uh, how should we... We could talk about kind of how there's a... Most of the episodes are going into one of the universes, meeting a new person in that universe, and that's how the interview.
0: Right. Um, The person they interview is a character with the same first... name or sometimes complete name as the person interviewed in real life.
1: Right. (laughs) And sometimes I think we mentioned there, yeah, there's multiple interviews, but
0: it's sometimes it's a double booking. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I pulled up (laughs) the list of all of the, the people that were interviewed and I didn't write everything down, but there's some pretty crazy ones. So like (laughs) the first one is Dr. Drew like from Love Line mm-hmm. um, in the first episode. Um, Anne Lamott's in there, and the one that really stood out to me was Damien Eccles, who was uh, he was one of the West Memphis Three. He was convicted of murder as a teenager because um, he and two of his friends killed three eight-year-old boys. And apparently was in it was not some sort of like weird ritual, was what the prosecution argued, like a satanic ritual. I also i I was curious, so I looked up more on him, and apparently he had like severe psychosis and delusions at the time. So I don't know if that allows you to understand him better, but yeah. So he's (laughs) he's he served eighteen years in prison, and then was released on like a ten year probation because of like some weird technicality of the legal system. Um, I did
0: not know that about that. (laughs) That Yeah.
1: so he's the one who plays Daryl the fish in episode three. So when we get to talking about that, it'll be really interesting. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So he's had he's interviewed some really crazy people, and um, also I was curious. Ram Dass appears in this, and Ram Dass does play himself. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, created <laughs> Ram Dass as Ram Dass episode eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do you feel about? How the conversations are portrayed in the animations, the cartoons, because the conversations are kind of started with little to absolutely no primer. They just jump into heavy metaphysical, spiritual topics while they start a visual narrative in the background that doesn't need any more than the occasional comment from the characters themselves.
1: So, you know, it's interesting. I wasn't sure if I was going to like this show when I watched the mm-hmm. first episode, because it sounded like, you know, first of all, the topic in the first episode is, uh, Dr. Drew, who I found out later is the one who does the voice. They're talking mostly about like, they talk about drugs. They talk about psychedelics and they talk about like parties and drugs. So to me, I was like, right. this sounds like a conversation you'd be having at a party while you were high. Basically. Yeah. And yet what's going on in the background is like a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, okay. That's, kind of fun and interesting but that combined with like some of the high level of gore that uh, Pendleton Ward does in, in every episode um mm-hmm. kind of put me off though I did learn that the idea was to juxtapose conversations about kindness with the kind of gory backgrounds that made me understand it better but yeah the first episode I'm like eh this is just about drugs but then you know in this there you kind of get this theme especially knowing true Cell's perspective on, like, these are supposed to be revelatory conversations. Yeah. Um, I think knowing that background, and also knowing that this comes from being pieced together from a podcast and then animated, makes the show make sense. I don't know how I would have felt about it without that information.
0: Yeah, I mean, knowing, I I came in knowing that it was a podcast before, but even so, it was very, I don't want to say jarring, but higher barrier to entry than a normal TV show.
1: Yeah. And I it definitely wasn't one of those ones I could sit down and just keep watching. Like, in <laughs> fact, I ended up, for a lot of the episodes, as they get a little more intense into the philosophy, I would pause it and just like try to parse what they had said for several seconds and then play it again. And I certainly I wouldn't yeah. want to just like watch episode after episode, because it's a <laughs> lot. It's very information dense. But I think if you like that, if you like, which I do. It's sort of like mm-hmm. reading like a philosophy text, and you're just like, "Whoa, these amazing ideas!" But you have to stop. <laughs> you have to think about them for yourself. If you enjoy it's that a- process, you will enjoy this.
0: It's like a spirituality ph- philosophy text on tape with a weird cartoon going on at the same time. <laughs>
1: right. Oh, and that made it hard actually too. Like, I I can't tell if I love the density of it because also the plots that are happening in the background are Mm -hmm. completely different than what they're talking about. And yeah,
0: I think, I think it probably depends entirely on your personal capacity to mentally multitask. Right. What you like to, how, how do you like to do that? Personally, I do a lot of stuff where I'm listening to something intensive and doing something like visually or physically different. So it meant that instead of watching the show and like reading a comic book at the same time, I was, engage in, <laughs> it, the show was his own distraction for me, which allowed me to kind of yeah. absorb a lot of it.
1: <laughs> I know what you mean. I mean, I, I was just glad I was able to pause because I, I don't like missing any tiny detail, especially in animation. Yeah. And this one was detail heavy. And even in like a children's cartoon show, you know, because the pacing can be fast. If I look away, I'll go back because I feel like there could be a moment of something I missed, even if it's not yeah. important.
0: And there was a lot of great little animation moments throughout. Exactly, yeah. They... This must have taken forever, because they, they... It looks like they took their time with everything, and everything on purpose. Like, there were some simple frames of animation, but that was done for the effect of, um... What? Kitchy, kind of, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. Or
0: quickly moving the, the action along.
1: Right. And the big thing about, this is a hard one to describe, but, you know, it, it's like there are plots happening on these worlds, and there are promises to these worlds, but a lot of it is very just kind of, like, visual. For instance, in episode two, what happens is they arrive, like, he arrives on a, Clancy arrives on a planet populated by these little clowns, but then- it, Oh, the clown world, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> the character he meets is a giant deer dog named Anne. And oh, I, we haven't mentioned this yet, but he can—he um, gets a different body each time he goes to these worlds. He gets a different, like um, different soup. avatar yeah, different every time. Avatar. yeah. There we go. That's the right word.
0: Which they use as a opportunity for uh, a brand new character design for the main character every episode, which is interesting.
1: And they're pretty funny. Like in this one, he has snakes for legs. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that doesn't last too long because a lot of the episode is them—they're captured by these. Would end up being scary killer clowns and then put into this like meat processing factory where they're all processed into meat and like combined down together. So, like, a large part of the visual of the episode is them being like torn apart and ground into meat and then like ejected from this machine.
0: Yeah, you had actually described that to (laughs) me earlier. And uh, I think at the time I was like, okay, okay, cool. But it gave me a bit of a (laughs) shell shock beforehand. In actuality, it's not gory or gruesome but kind of like laissez-faire not in a way that that like disregards life but just kind of moved it and along as in this isn't what you should be afraid of
1: yeah i mean i actually found like some of the episodes that had a lot of like gory violence to be more disturbing but even then it's like i'm pretty easily disturbed by body horror and because Mm -hmm. of the kind of um know very Pendleton Ward very like Adventure Time style of animation Um, this wasn't distressing as distressing to me it wasn't like super jail and I think part of that is because the gore is kind of existing for a reason in the medium.
0: And I think also because of the uh, how they showed it because they tell you the beginning that this is a simulation so it allows you to psychically distance a little bit even though in the simulation the people in it and um, b- people experiencing it are kind of just as real but it gives you that space if you'd like it I think.
1: Yeah I think so and especially the one like that's I where I, I kind of felt lost after the second episode because I liked the conversational on that episode but I was like are all the episodes going to be about like getting <laughs> killed by zombies and killer clowns Um, but no they're not and,
0: um, actually, and the weird thing about the first episode with the zombies it's like because they do the whole they, 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 do, they do like every zombie trope, like because mm-hmm. they want to, and they enjoy it. But at the end, they get bitten by zombies, and it's presented mm-hmm. as a euphoric experience. The yeah. col- color palette changes to something pleasant, and the moans change into a, um, a chorus, a, a harmony that, that they join in.
1: Yeah, and they start to see the world, like, they see all the zombies as beautiful people, and they see themselves as beautiful people, and the whole world's beautiful. And it was funny, because the conversation was about, like, doing psychedelic drugs, and how that can lead to certain, like, deeper, like, different modes of thinking and deeper consciousness. I think it
0: goes with what the glasses president, (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Drew, says at the end, where, because in in the episode, zombieism kind of, Seems like a metaphor for drugs, maybe. at the end, they say there's no such thing as a good drug or bad drug. It's all in the situation, and circumstances in which the drug is used. Yeah. Which may be what they're trying to talk about.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that was a big point. And maybe that was kind of the soft open on the show. Because, like I said, that sounded like, you know, especially the way Clancy Duncan's talking. He's like, yeah, man, like, I know what you mean. Like, oh, man, I never thought, like, he's getting really amped up. It definitely feels mm-hmm. like party conversation, that's it's about mostly about drugs, even though there's some very deep meanings there. It's like whoa, drugs, and also man. presents
0: the uh, the uh, idea of the show where they where a lot of, it seems like what they want to do is to take these scary ideas and not like reverse them, but just flip, look at them from a different angle, and see how you feel about it. Then,
1: yeah, and then you kind of go some of the places they go after that are super spiritual and metaphysical Mm -hmm. and so i think a lot of the conversations like i would say that they mostly the conversations increase in intensity whereas the animation sort of pulls back like it's not as gory as you go on weirdly enough does that make is that true do you think or you watched it more recently than i did
0: yeah i i binged the whole thing today in um like episode one through four I woke up, episode 1 through 4, took a lunch break, 4 through 8, took a nap, recorded. <laughs> wow.
1: So what is that experience like? Do you feel like you're still processing all of it?
0: I feel like I did. I, I don't want to sound like I'm boasting or anything, but I think I processed a lot of what they were talking about at the time. Hmm. So I think I was able to roll with it as it as it happened. And by the time it was over, I was left with, not dealing with the ideas, but with the uh, emotions it, it
1: provoked. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's mostly what I was pointing to is like it's whew, it's got a lot <laughs> of ideas, but also a lot of feeling and a lot of visual density too. So I will say yeah. I'm impressed that you are able to <laughs> absorb all of that <laughs> in that short period of time. I felt but like if i we're definitely had about- to sit with the episodes for a while and make all the mental connections.
0: But if we're talking about the density of the um, cartoon side plots, should we call them? Mm. Um, Episode 5 has a very intense discussion while at the same time they're trapped in a prison.
1: Yeah, that one was... And there's a
0: whole... Yeah, there's a whole back... And that's very involved. Very gory Mm -hmm. and very psychologically troubling in its own right. Independent from the conversation that's going on. Where you have a prisoner stuck in a soul prison. And Mm -hmm. every and and they're attached to the soul. So while the conversation is going, every time this prisoner dies, they go through the process of process of death and being judged and weighed and coming back to the point of time before they die and doing the whole thing over again. And that right. visual experience is it's very intense cuz you go through like what it would actually be like to die <laughs> and uh in, uh, come back several times like some like the first couple times they just get angry and angrier and then after that they start getting like s- like frustrated and then just depressed and then just pure grief and then like resolute yeah I mean, like, which is all done through um visual storytelling
1: right yeah let's talk about that episode for a second i like i had some interesting feelings about like this the narrative they created because at first you know clancy's super excited to go to this prison and it's like it's supposed to be a prison for like the worst prisoners and it's supposed to be like this horrific place and he's like i gotta go there and of course you know yeah. part of that is like seeking the story but when he gets there there's this very cavalier kind of opening where it's like he tries to talk to one of the prisoners and the prisoner's soul bird he's like a bird on a string attached to them is the one who he ends up talking to he says oh he can't talk to you you know he bit off his tongue a long time ago which is what the computer yeah. also tells me most people like go crazy and bite off their own tongues
0: That they're all there because they bit off their own tongue because they couldn't handle the existential crisis of existing.
1: Right. That's it. And so you get that, and you like, I love that concept, but it also, like, when introduced as a cartoon, feels almost so cavalier that you're like, is this being edgy? Like, what are they going for? (laughs) And you kind of realize as you go through, they're not being edgy. Um, They're actually trying to, like, talk about this metaphysical pain. So it happens like every time the prisoner dies, they have to repeat the scenario. But before that, they go through this whole sequence that where their heart, which is like this weird barking, like the heart barks in his legs anyway, gets ripped out and weighed against a feather from the soul bird. And each time there's this crazy sequence that goes along with it. It's, it's surreal yeah. and hard to describe, but it's really cool. <laughs>
0: It's also interesting because for that sequence it'd be so easy just to like reuse the uh animation over, but every time they die it's different because yeah. the soul that that gets pulled out reflects the uh emotional and spiritual state of the person at, at at the time and that progresses and the amount and even the the amount of the scale changes uh changes every time too
1: yeah, and there's a couple like kind of what I want to say like I can't remember them specifically, but like disembodied images that go along with that. Just like certain little visual pieces, and they're different every time, too.
0: Which I think reflected what was going on in the conversation right before, too.
1: Right, yeah. And I would actually love to see that episode done as a comic, so that you could kind of linger on each frame. But it was really cool to have that scene like just kind of, I don't know, immerse you. Especially with the music, which is really good. Uh, the music's done by, um, I want to say, yeah, Joe Wong, who also did the score for Russian Doll, and he's actually the guest on the most recent episode of um Drusel's podcast, so I'm going to have to check to that, that out. <laughs> yeah, I started listening to it today, but his podcasts are long, by the way. They're usually over <laughs> an hour, and that one was like an hour and 40 minutes or something, so... <laughs>
0: Who would listen to a podcast for a whole hour and 40 minutes? I mean, come on.
1: My main point is that that's not super long for a podcast, but it is long to try to pull out, you know, these pieces uh, for a show, which I guess was actually the hardest part of what they did, they said.
0: Yeah, it would be hard to scrub through what must be like literal days of audio and to find the specific points that you want to highlight and talk about. Totally. In a cohesive matter.
1: Yeah. It's, uh... They said that was definitely the biggest challenge.
0: It's funny because I've, I'm i a fan of a f- few other podcasts, and there's a community of people on YouTube that take audio from the podcast and do, like, animatics or cartoons of it. And just... It was weird for me to see that as a fully fleshed out... Looks like pretty decent budgeted cartoon. As a show.
1: Right. Yeah, it was definitely kind of this new concept that, like, we can make this into a, a comprehensible TV show. Because I guess their original preview was, like, a music video um, to kind of highlight the animation. But the thing is, is, like, they made a huge world here. And, like, Ward and Trussell talked about, like, how comprehensive the backstory of the world actually is. So that's why I'm really hoping this gets a second season because it actually goes more and more into the, the world rather than the simulations as we move through the show. So there's real like plot development and world building going on.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good example of people developing a big backstory, big world, but not forcing it on people. Because we, we see like pretty much none of it. But just as a creator, knowing it's there influences how you write people and how the world is shown and what that means and it it adds um narrative weight i think
1: yeah and i think they could have gotten away just with making references to the outside world like clancy makes references to his sister sometimes he goes Mm -hmm. outside and he waters the flowers and you can see like he's on this trailer on this piece of land um but they actually do even more into it, like when he has to go and get oil for his simulator that's breaking down, you can see that he has to, like, go across this giant landscape and in this invisible bridge and, <laughs> you know, talk to his neighbors. And there's this whole thing about ordering a, a pie that's supposed to be a floating, it's supposed to be a holy pie <laughs> or something, it's supposed to float. Messiah pie. Messiah yeah. pie, yeah. It's like <laughs> the, all these pieces, and you could have just had He's a simulation farmer, and he goes into simulations, into simulated worlds, because each one of those worlds is its own thing, too. But instead... Yeah, I thought this was
0: going to go into heavy, like, penward, crazy surrealism, nothing makes sense, make up shit. Totally.
1: But, but it, it actually the, gets more grounded as the show goes on.
0: Strangely, yeah. It's I I
1: letters. really want to
0: know what, what Weird Al did.
1: <laughs> I know, like... It was weird because, so the the article just basically says, like, they pitched it to Netflix, and then Netflix gave it the go, and then they brought on a team of of comedians, and Weird Al was one of the names, (laughs) to, like, start the production ideas, and I was like, okay. The weird part is, like, the ideas have to be mostly for, like, they can't really be for the dialogue. They have to be for, like, the physicality of the world. That's what is crazy to me. And, like, the setting, right
0: maybe that's part of it
1: maybe i mean you know we're talking about pendleton Ward like i made a whole adventure time like rpg just because based on five edition where i made my own classes and stuff just because i and i ran a couple games (laughs) i ran it for like a couple months just because i wanted to explore (laughs) that world he made right so he's a good world builder
0: the fun thing about the adventure time world is how it's not how nothing is sacred like they go far into the future and far into the past, and they both of those change everything, and they're not not in homage to each other, right, if that makes sense, yeah,
1: no, it's true, but it still feels like there's cohesion there as if this was all done by design
0: yeah i'm I'm anxious to anxious, maybe a little worried to see what distant lands will bring
1: yeah i I don't know I think I mean it's a good team though, right. Yeah, I think it's a good team. Like I think that a lot of these shows, like even with Adventure Time, I had a hard time getting into it at first. When you start to mm-hmm. realize how big the world is, that's when it becomes really engaging for me. And I, I think that's probably where it's gonna go. Like if they make a good world, I think I'll be hooked.
0: Yeah. I think it was interesting in this show with episode what was it? Where they uh where where they have the thing where they need to steal the green oil for the simulator.
1: Oh yeah, um, that was close to the end.
0: Uh, episode six. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, it spent almost no time in the in the simulator. Like yeah, I remember pausing in the middle somewhere to like let the dogs out, and that was eleven minutes left, and they were still in the non-simulated world.
1: Yeah, it's great. I mean, that's kind of was talking about before right like that they spend so much time actually on the world after a while it makes it feel so much more cohesive almost kind of yeah, wish they put that episode sooner because then it would have felt like more of a world but i kind of like the slow build like his conversations with his sister and stuff
0: it's a nice shake-up because like there's eight episodes and this is episode six so you had five episodes before this to get used to a uh, formula. And this was a way to sort of shake it up and discomfort you in a way that actually added a lot to the series.
1: Yeah. Well, they, w- and they went into so much with this, like, you know, his neighbors are simulation farmers. Um, yeah. But they like have a whole bunch of simulators and, they go in there to, like, get treasures and bring them back to the real world, which is apparently illegal. Like, we learn a lot in this episode. But, you know, Clancy's just out there because he wanted to get away from the rest of the world. He only has one simulator. He doesn't hasn't even, you know, figured out how to use it right or maintain yeah. it right. And we um, also find out
0: what, what Clancy does not know about simulators, which is everything.
1: <laughs> literally everything. Yeah, yeah, and then he also gets a phone call from his sister, and he's gotten one before— and she loaned him earlier on we learned she loaned him the money to get the simulator and move out to where where does he where does he live now? The the ribbon or something? The ridge? Something like
0: that. The wobble or something?
1: Well, I think it's called it's called like the ridge or something, but the wobble is
0: Oh, uh, the the uh phenomena that happens.
1: hmm Apparently yeah. it happens when simulators explode. Um, but we didn't know that at the time we first encountered it the simulation uh, repairman comes and tries to take him through the wobble and sings him a little song (laughs) about like what the, they're just different patches of colored mist basically, but each one does a different horrifying thing to you. And Um, this one wasn't,
0: (laughs) because most of it was out of the simulator, most of it was not one of the podcast episodes. Most of it was just made for the show uh, cartoon content
1: it was very different yeah because it didn't have a lot of that you know he does hang out with the simulation repair guy and they have a conversation but it's not the same as those like revelatory podcast interviews a lot of the talk is about the world
0: yeah because i thought as i always do with one of these episodes like uh the simulation repair guy was the guy that clancy was talking to so of course that was the guest for the For the episode, wait, no, that was just a character in the in the show. That wasn't a guest.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) There's finally characters in the show. And then yeah, his sister talks more and more about how he um Clancy's backstory about how, you know, he doesn't something indicates he moved away and he talks about this a little later to like basically like just escape and find himself out there. She says something very poignant which is like, you know, just because you're in a different place doesn't it's not gonna change who you are. Sort of implying right. that he feels stuck because of where he is in his life. And then that sort of drives the plot of the rest of the show. Because what he does for the rest of the show is like kind of search for enlightenment. Then he feels falsely like he's enlightened, realizes that he's not.
0: Yeah, the last, <laughs> the last the last eight minutes to- of, that, of that episode is um, him going into the simulation and finding enlightenment with David. Mm-hmm. And also, interestingly enough, this was the one with the biggest fourth wall break where they were like, uh, David and Clancy are talking and there's like a, a breakdown and communication of keeping up the, the, the kayfabe, the, the story of of the cartoon, and they flash between the animation and live action footage of the two people recording the, the dialogue. Right. Which was trippy.
1: <laughs> it's pretty crazy. <laughs> this is also the one which has the greatest like autonomy for the simulator as a character because he basically like forces Clancy in there to talk to David about meditation and Clancy's like meditation With his is friend stupid. David yeah. <laughs> yeah. His friend yeah he has a friend his friend David he's gonna go meet and he's just like a normal looking human guy which we haven't encountered well we've encountered some pretty normal looking human guys I guess but he's like dressed very earth-like and just sitting on a mountain painting like Nothing super otherworldly happens except in Clancy's like weird meditation state,
0: and the fact that Clancy's avatar for this one is an octopus sheriff.
1: Right. Well, that's I, the simulator tries to convince him by saying you can be octopus sheriff, <laughs> uh, which is pretty great. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that one was nutty because yeah, it's like they're sitting down having a conversation. You've got one normal dude on a mountain you <laughs> may even look like the actual person, you know, who's talking. And you've well, got they, they, Octopus Sheriff.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they ended up showing you what he looked like later.
1: Right, yeah. That was a trip.
0: <laughs> and then after that enlightenment, the next episode, they talked... He has an interview with someone playing Death.
1: Yeah. No, this one was funny because it it's another, like, Clancy character moment where he thinks he's enlightened. So he's yeah. like, I'll never go and do my space cast again. I don't need to do anything because I'm enlightened. But he's I don't still need any doing... of my
0: stuff. I don't need anything. Yeah. I'm great and enlightened.
1: <laughs> he's just being so dumb about it and it's so obvious to the viewer because he's just, yeah, he's like throwing away all his stuff and like, you know, I've got it now. I've got the answer to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when the conversation with death happens, which as I think probably it's a conversation about death with death. And this yeah. might be... Death talks about the death industry. Um, Yeah, the uh,
0: person they interviewed is a mortician.
1: Yeah, this might have been the most informative interview, in my opinion. (laughs) Like, just strictly in terms of things that I really don't think... Like, I don't like to think about death. I mean, I don't think that's uncommon. But the way they did this, you know, is like... I've always been aware that there's an industry around death. But, like, thinking about those concepts of, like, how the death industry... Doesn't allow people to sit with the body because it's educated people to think that the body carries disease after death, like even diseases that a person wouldn't have had when they were alive.
0: Yeah, which is just like a uh, yeah. <laughs> convention invented in the 1800s by a company by a corporation in order to drive up business.
1: <laughs> right, and but it's made our whole culture think differently about how we perceive. Like deceased bodies of our loved ones it's actually like repulsed us even more from dealing with death because we're discouraged from spending any time around dead bodies and like the very uh, what do i say corporeal realities of death
0: yeah the i don't say the character but the the interviewee for this episode suggests um reveling in like the big real life moments, like birth and deaths, and like sitting with the body and like sitting with with the placenta and just being with the reality of the moment.
1: And this is also, yeah, one of the episodes where I like really wanted to know more about whether this was actually pulled from a prior interview and I couldn't find out. <laughs> because there's a couple moments where like you can tell that he's addressing the interviewee as death. And saying things like, "What's in this room, death, and then the the person describes it, and it happens on screen, and it's like uh they like they knew what they were doing here, right, or not? Was this some sort of weird visualization exercise or what what was going on
0: yeah, listening to the sound clips, um trying to guess from my experience as an amateur audio engineer what was like a full clip that was dropped in, they had several times where it was back and forth with uh Clancy and death that were like they were both in the same room talking to each other about this improv that was going on, right, yeah. which they dropped into the middle of the of their conversation, I think
1: yeah, and then there's one point that the death character um, I wish I had written down who he's interviewing for this episode, but a really amazing person, amazing speaker, obviously really qualified on the subject uh, Catlin. Dowdy? Okay. Yeah. Well we're just like I'm i so,
0: I'm sorry like for butchering the name.
1: Is it C A I T Yeah Caitlin? That's usually Kate. Like, like Kate Sith, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how you'll remember it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, according to the Wiki, an American mortician, author, blogger, and YouTube personality known for advocating death acceptance and the reform of Western funeral industry practices.
1: Yeah creator
0: of the web series, Ask a Mortician.
1: Oh, I've heard of that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, Um. well, yeah, there's one point where they're doing this visualization exercise and she basically says like, oh, th- this is like a fun exercise or something like that. <laughs> or like a fun, oh, this is a fun way to do an interview or like something to that effect. And yeah. you're like, well, what, you know, what prompted that comment? I mean, I it's just me, maybe I'm just like, I really want to know how did they do this? Like, how did they pull off this show? And I want to believe that there was someone who came on knowing they were going to be animated because some of this, like especially towards the end, is done so well. I'm like, how did you do it?
0: It sounded like the um what was it, Trudy interview? That person knew what was going on.
1: There was one person, yeah, who like corrected themselves from Duncan to Clancy, and I was like, then yeah, they must there, right. There
0: was a, there was a couple of moments like that.
1: But it's entirely possible that, you know, these people who are already, you know, YouTube personalities or podcasters, that they just went like, hey, send us an audio clip of you saying this, you know? And then they fixed it on the episode. But who knows?
0: Yeah, looking at the Wikipedia, they have a list of the episodes, and there's a tab f- on the uh, chart for original podcasts, and only two of them have direct con- connections. They have uh, well, episode two with episode 301, episode three with podcast episode 314.
1: Right, I know, but that's not totally accurate because a lot of these are lifted from other podcasts as far as I can tell. So, eh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the It'll main be interesting thing is, once
0: it shakes out to, to, to know for sure.
1: Right. I mean, nonetheless, it doesn't really matter because what they did is they created something really incredible from this great concept Mm -hmm. of illustrating Duncan's revelation moments talking to people that are really, like, have really amazing insights.
0: Yeah. And from that discussion of death in episode 7, they move on to episode 8.
1: Yeah. Game changer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so if I wasn't already, like, crying about all the specific death talk in episode 7 episode 8 is an old interview with his mother like which is interesting like, cuz like in episode 7
0: mother. yeah in in episode 7 when talking to death they mentioned that both the parents are dead then in episode 8 they start with like hi mom and like an interview with their actual mother
1: yeah so like yeah in a couple like my first assumption because i know these are real interviews was like that this has to be an old interview which is what ends up being the case but I had yeah. my doubts at a couple moments because I was like, "Wait, did he like?" Because what he does is he says his father died when he talks to death. He says his father died from, um, some fantasy thing. Like he was in the space wars and a little bit of the darkness got into his lungs and it just never left or something. It's very inventive, but it was yeah, you that, know, That was
0: not a, real. Good of, <laughs> a good bit of good bit of editing because they started. Because that was an actual explanation of what happened to their dad, and they spliced in the fantasy stuff in in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, and it was cool. It was like a great way to kind of take you in and out. But it didn't make me question like some of the reality of Clancy versus Duncan's character, because at this point you know that Clancy and Duncan aren't really the same person. Hmm. But but in, uh, they, they kind of are because like but- Duncan's not going to talk about experiences that aren't his.
0: Except but in the final that, episode, they just full-on go Duncan, and they don't walk it back. they just
1: Right. Well, because it's an old interview, and yeah, he's not being called Clancy, and that's absolutely fine. There's no yeah. reason to question that, I think.
0: But it's, it's interesting where they just drop the story on the last one.
1: Yeah. I think it was really important for the character arc, and I love that Clancy's character arc that he's having because he's trying to figure out who he is and the whole time he's having metaphysical, spiritual conversations about different religions, about different spiritualities, about death, and he's just a person trying to find himself. And Mm -hmm. in the same way, that's just, you know, a mirroring of the, you know, Duncan himself because these are his real-life conversations, real-life revelatory moments. So for him... Coming full circle on, you know, trying to understand where he is is dealing with his mother's death, and so therefore for Clancy it is too. Yeah. This episode is his mom was a psychiatrist.
0: Yeah, they mentioned in the episode. I th- I think.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, definitely some sort of mental health professional, but I think it was a psychiatrist. I actually uh, and think, also, oh, go on.
0: And, and also, uh, I read something saying that th- this interview was recorded three weeks before uh, their mother died.
1: Uh, yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> interesting parts where she just keeps saying, like, I don't know why you're like you're doing this interview or like, what, what do you think we're <laughs> going to get out of this? But um, <laughs> it's cute. And the great thing about this is the world is fantastical. But both characters are moving, like, most of the time they move through the world, whether they're being, they're moving themselves or they're being propelled by outside forces. In Mm -hmm. this one, they're mostly walking through the halls of, like, a teddy bear research facility. Um, And it kind of lines up exactly what they're talking about, because they're talking a lot about childhood development. And specifically Mm -hmm. also things that, like, Duncan's mom's saying to him about, like, you know... Oh do you think I would have been different if this One thing that really resonated with me was when she talks about um the birth of his younger sibling and or no he, no he was the younger sibling how the older sibling gets told to be a big kid like be a you know be mature be grown up and be a big kid even though they're still like very small and they how impactful
0: the, that is one of the first lies that kids get told that you're big when you're actually little
1: Right that resonated a lot with me as seeing you know, an older sibling who really had to like take care of my brother, you know.
0: It was interesting for me because I had to go back and think about like big life moments for me, if that was before five, it's like, oh yeah, that that was. So that does <laughs> does impact my character. Where I think I was four. Well mm-hmm. I, I had I have an older sister. I was four when my younger sister got got born.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I, I I have a distinct clear memory of like psychologically turning from a youngest sibling into a middle kid.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, I was only two when my brother was born, and it's only me and, and my little brother. But I remember him being born and I don't remember like a whole lot around that time and have a lot of memories before I was four, but I remember like going to the hospital, you know, when he was born. Hmm. And I it definitely felt like this pivotal moment, <laughs> right? Like everything yeah. changes now. And it like, pretty I- much did.
0: i I have the memory of like holding on to the the little kid the the youngest child thought like well what about me and then like there's the then just shifting to oh well it's about them that's fine
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's funny i mean part of what the episode talks about is like or what she talks about not really the episode like Mm -hmm. when his mother talks about that's really insightful is like well you know these are impactful moments in our development we have no control over them. And at the time, we might react, like, not at all, almost. Or, like, react a little. Like, as small children, you just you don't have a lot of control. But they end up shaping who you are as a grown-up.
0: Right. And they were talking about that as um, as a psychiatrist, where it's like, if you want to unpack who you are now, you have to find out where these these conventions you have started from and what they mean. Right.
1: You know, and this is the great thing is that he was, he, it's amazing that he had this interview because not only was he able to, you know, have this be about his mom and his relationship with his mom, but that she was a really insightful person with a lot of Extremely. experience in child yeah. development. And it's very topical for the whole episode because we're talking about losing your parents and we're also talking about developing his children. Actually, I loved the animation they did for this, like, Basically, it starts in in Clancy Duncan. He's Duncan at this point. Let's just go with it. It's a baby being held by his mother, but they're still talking like adults. And he they kind of he grows older. She grows older until eventually she dies halfway through the episode. And then he becomes pregnant in the teddy bear hospital and gives birth to his mother. And the cycle goes again until he gets old enough to die. It's insane. And I love it.
0: And it was well done, too. It
1: was amazing. If
0: like, you like lay it lay it uh, out and talk about it, it sounds like it should be disturbing, but the way they do it, it seems, I don't want to say natural, but it felt true to the moment.
1: I think it was perfect because they're having this conversation. Actually, not just that. They're having this conversation about development and childhood, but the whole series has been kind of about this connection to nature to metaph- like to spirituality and especially in the previous episode to death and to the realities of birth and death. So it kind of like primed us for this kind of like what in a I think in a modern cultural context would be like a, a bizarre, absurd or distressing moment of like, you know, a grown man giving birth to his own mother, turning it into this very like symbolic natural birth moment that's Yeah celebrated in love
0: with a concept of the person being a a child and then becoming the parent themselves and the the idea of that cycle continuing
1: right and like taking away our like we have this gross cultural fear of birth Mm -hmm. and we think it's gross we think vaginas are gross we think giving birth is terrifying and distressing and i mean it's painful but we do not celebrate birth and we do not celebrate like, no. We sort of celebrate birth, but like not really. It's kind of a facade.
0: From from a far distance.
1: Right. It's like, "Oh, you had a baby. Okay, I'll come meet the baby." Not like I'm going to watch you give birth. No one Yeah. wants to watch that in our culture. So I liked what they did with this.
0: Yeah, where it's like they didn't they didn't shy away from it. They just presented it as actual as anything else in the show. Right.
1: And I felt like it was a complete emotional journey really yeah and it's amazing that they did that because in episode one i was like "What the hell are you doing <laughs> <With this laughs> random zombie war and you're talking about drug use like
0: and like to, am, am i uh, stepping in in the be- middle of a conversation what happened in the beginning what
1: <laughs> yeah totally and then they built a world and they built up the character just enough to have this strong revelatory moment at the end that's made even more poignant by the fact that that they discard the idea that the person who's talking is actually a fictional character and focus mm-hmm. on like, it doesn't even matter at that point. Like I'm not mad. That no, they gave up they, the game. Like I'm like, they, no, they, that's even better.
0: They dropped the conceit for a very good reason.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was also that, that interview was amazing because as we talked about, their mother was a psychologist and like they had, was it stage four breast cancer or something? For four so. years.
1: Yeah. Or and, I, and yeah, oh, that's right. It was a type of breast cancer that had migrated to some other part of the body. But yeah, anyway. Yeah.
0: And they had turned all their expertise onto understanding mm-hmm. like um, death and how to process it for themselves and people around them. And they they had amazing outlook on it and thoughts on it and a lot, lot of good stuff to say about it.
1: I was really amazed, too, because, like, you know, my mother died from cancer. And so, like, obviously, this was, like, a very powerful and meaningful episode to me. You know, when I was pretty young, and I think they determined Duncan's, like, in his early 40s. You know, I was in, you know, my early 20s. But I, I don't know if it really matters. Like, when you lose a parent to something like that, you don't expect it. It's really hard to process. And something they said that I thought was really, like, important is, like, I don't remember if this was in the death episode or in the last one, but talking about like getting loved ones to talk about what they really want before they, s- oh, I think it was in the death episode, before they sort of yeah. like fade out and can't communicate anymore. Mm-hmm. I really wish that had been information that I'd had, but even having that is like sort of understanding that you're like death, the closer you get to death, like the closer you're getting to like your, your whole system shutting down, including your brain and your yeah. And it was actually really impactful to me to like have that understanding of what was really going on and what I really And I'm not exactly sure I was going for that, except that this like these last two episodes really meant a lot to me and I was really impressed with them.
0: Yeah, I'm currently quarantining with my mom. I, I, I had to go get a hug afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they said some interesting stuff in the in the last episode because a lot of time when people talk about death and look at it, they talk about try- trying to, like, reject the idea of grief. But and they gave good advice here, which is um, if you feel, like, crying, cry. That's important.
1: Yeah. Like, if totally. you feel
0: grief, feel grief.
1: I mean, I think that if you've experienced grief, it, that's easy to understand.
0: Yeah. But it's a nice thing to remind people because most... Most of the time, especially in like, um, if you're supposed to present it as a male, they try to tell you to not feel or be strong right. or be better than it.
1: When you have but this intense grief, it. Oh, sorry. I had to interrupt you. Go for it. I was going to say that you kind of realize that when you have this intense grief, that there are. You cry and you cry, and then you don't feel like you can cry. And then there can be months where you can't. And that's the worst feeling, just feeling like you can't cry. So feeling like when you – because it's still all there, and it's like a weight you can't let out. So when you can cry, yeah, seize that moment. But, yeah, I I hear what you're saying about, you know, the alternative is we're really pressured not to cry in our culture, especially for AMAB people. Mm
0: -hmm. You mentioned before you are interested in seeing a season two. Do you think with how the show ended that's possible? Hmm. Um, because we didn't we didn't talk about it, but after that simulation, there's a whole thing where the cops bust in and uh a bullet is shot, and it's blocked by the dog with a pocket dimension, and then everything blows up,
1: yeah <laughs> well <laughs> good point there was the yeah this crazy thing at the very end, yeah, um for the real plot of the story, but the thing is is that. What I do know is that they are trying to get a second season and that they want it because they feel like they've built up this really, like, huge world to explore. So, like, I I also understand that, like, yeah, most worlds are much huger than are ever explored if, like, someone's a really strong world builder. And that's cool. You know, it's better that way. I still want to see more of this world. And I Mm -hmm. think there is a possibility, especially if the second season kind of follows... The format of the first, like, starts out in a little bit more of a lighthearted space and, like, moves forward through, like, revelations to get to a final revelation. But it's going to have to, you know, like, not, you can't follow that last episode. You have to start it at kind of a new point.
0: Yeah, and it's not like they don't have a humongous amount of material to draw from. Totally. (laughs) Talk about a podcast with history behind it
1: absolutely well and you know this is great though because you know it was a short series but now i have a whole like 382 episodes of a podcast i can listen to and
0: so. less <laughs> <laughs> moods when you really want to like feel or not know if you exist or not
1: totally <laughs> you know i have to imagine though based on his comment about these being like revelation moments that not all his interviews are like just that dense and chock full of like metaphysical depth.
0: I guess so. I I haven't had any experience with the podcast, so we don't know how dense it is with these moments.
1: Right. Um, well, I know I was st- I started listening to a couple of the episodes today, but I just didn't have time to get through them. I kind of wish I had done it because now I'm like, that would kind of maybe change my perspective, but. <laughs> I also think that, like, a lot of comments on his podcast, it's very comedic and can be, like, really lighthearted, but he still digs into those, like, those depths. But I can't imagine everyone he has on to interview, like, all the time is that deep. You know what I mean? There's got to be a lot more silly moments in between. Yeah. I
0: think it's interesting pairing those kind of discussions with the animation format, because the only Mm -hmm. other time I've seen this sort of combo would be in um, the movie Waking Life, I think. Hmm. But they have discussions with people about the nature, reality, and metaphysics combined with the
1: uh,
0: with the animation, which in Waking Life it was rotoscoping, right?
1: I actually haven't seen it.
0: Oh, oh anyways, it's a, like a movie from like 2007
1: or so. Waking Life.
0: Have I where, heard of that? That's funny. It's this rotoscoped movie where they have a bunch of interviews with people talking about what is and is not a dream. Like they have a discussion with someone who... Talks about how to, like, lucid dream, like different things you can do to check if you're in a dream or not, and what yeah, to do like if you can.
1: Counting your fingers.
0: They, yeah, they I tried to th- learn
1: how to lucid dream for a while.
0: They mentioned in the interview that you can't control the um, lighting in your dream. So if you're in a your dream and you flip a light switch and nothing changes, then uh, then you're in a dream. So just go around and flip light switches all the time.
1: And the then thing after, i liked most about learning about lucid dreaming was learning about the weird things that dreams don't account <laughs> for
0: and then after the interview the main character stands up and like is walking out of the room looks at a light switch like chuckles flips the switch and the lighting doesn't change and turns back to the guy and the guy shrugs and then he just just flies off
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's cool
0: so it's the idea of combining these discussions that question reality with a um artistic moving format that you can literally bend reality to whatever you want to look at it. So kind of make that as unsettling as they want to. Nice. I love that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Wow. You know, I hadn't thought of that. That's, I mean, think about this a lot, but yeah, that is a great way to put it, that it's reality bending conversations with a reality bending. (laughs)
0: Because like as someone who's like very, very basic level wanting to animate, it's interesting because you have to create the world and what you see and how it moves. Mm -hmm. And like, if you're talking about how reality can change, you can just not draw the ball and it's gone. (laughs) True that. Yeah.
1: Um, because I think the fundamental difference, you know, when we're talking about drawing, um, there's this weird bridge. Like, art can be anything, right? You mm-hmm. put, a, you make a couple brush strokes on a canvas, but it, as soon as you get down to things that start to represent real objects, then you're starting to think about those objects as if they were real objects in the universe. Right. And that's where we encounter this concept of suspension of disbelief. It's like, the closer something is to looking like a real person, the more we want to believe it's a real
0: and but. Inter- interesting thing with animation is that it's a um, persistent, ongoing, and changing uh, medium. Mm-hmm. Instead of a, a static image or thought.
1: Right. Which is another part of what I was going to say is, like, it makes it closer to reality. The motion makes it closer. I mean, that's why animation was so enchanting when it first came about. It's where, like, the pictures move. They're, like, <laughs> alive. Yeah. Movement is life." So, yeah, we- I think we've s- nicely abstracted our discussion. <laughs> An <I> think, homage,
0: <laughs> yeah. I-, I think we're we brought it back to the concept that the podcast is originally supposed to be about, which is animation, as it uh, as it's expressed. I guess yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> I- I'm done bullshitting for the moment.
1: <laughs> Man, no, I love though. Like, I really do love that this talking about this. What I think it is, is as soon as I start thinking about Midnight Gospel, I start thinking those same abstracted ideas and being feeling very free to express them. Something that yeah. Midnight Gospel felt so precious to me about was the fact that people were just talking about all the ideas that I felt if I talked about in a real space, people would be like, uh, what is wrong <laughs> with you? Yeah, but It made me feel very accepted and free in my, like, very abstract ideas, and Honestly, the only thing I want to do in life is, like, walk around talking about, like, how do you interpret the concept of a circle? <laughs> but everyone's like, uh, I'm trying to buy my groceries, man. So I kind of I, I love Midnight Gospel for that. I kind of
0: liked how a lot of times when we have somebody that sits down and talks about life is, or reality is, or something is, like a superlative, it ends up coming across as preachy. But I think the fact that they present so many viewpoints in direct juxtap- juxtaposition to each other means it's okay if you don't believe it so they're just presenting totally. the ideas for you to consider
1: yeah i mean it's it honestly that's what an interview is about right is getting someone's perspective on something and an enlightening right. perspective isn't like oh i 100% agree with what this person said it's a perspective that makes you think about things in a new way
0: <laughs> and i like being able to listen to these kind of things and then like walk away going that was that was cool, cool discussion. I, I don't like it. It's not true, but it was a cool discussion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, I never think about things like that. I'm just like, wow, what if? Yeah. But uh, do you think this is something I'm meaning to ask do you think that having it be animated made it easier to consume? Like, for instance, would you have listened to these conversations without the animation accompanying? I think it helps a lot with
0: the more where they got the more abstract and big picture. Like when they talked about the, um, in the present episode where they talked about consciousness as being nodes in a net of energy that mm-hmm. would have lost me just purely discussion wise, but just having the simple drawing at the same time, having the blue lines of energy with the people st- standing at the nose was like, Oh, okay. So they talk about how those are people and the, and that it's a connection between people, but it's really just the same net, Allowed you to gra- grasp the big concept easier.
1: I really like that you said that because there are definitely times. Like I don't think we mentioned this, there so are times when the animation does a lot to illustrate the abstract concepts. Most of the time, it's doing something completely different, but yeah. not unrelated. Just, but yeah, that was one time where it actually grounded a much more abstracted conversation and also that moment stuck with me because it made it easier to understand what they were talking about
0: now that we're talking about it in retrospect that means that the people like animating and story- storyboarding have a really good and deep and comprehensive understanding of what's being discussed because mm-hmm. it's easy to understand it could be easy to, to understand something but impossible to like, show or present it but they understand it and then present it in an easy to understand way
1: I think the thing that, I mean, that's impressive and the thing that also impresses me is that they picked and chose which moments of conversation felt that they needed visual clarification and which moments the visuals could be used in a completely different direction. And they had yeah. to do both in order to make the conversations connect with the visuals as well as to move forward this secondary storyline that's happening in the background of every episode.
0: And I don't think it ended up too distracting from the conversation either.
1: No, I, I think in the first episode, I almost felt like it was, <laughs> um, but they I actually feel like they've refined their form in each episode, yeah. to the point where at the very last episode, it's all so cohesive. It's actually sort of peaceful and soothing compared to what I perceived to be the chaos of the first episode. Not well, that, that- it's not like the first episode. I liked it yeah. a lot, but it definitely <laughs> felt hectic, <laughs>
0: I, I didn't like it as it was going on, but when it finished up and made its point, I liked it.
1: <laughs> totally. I'm in the same boat. Like, I almost yeah. would just, like, watch it again, being like, now that I know where all of this has been going.
0: Also, in the last episode, I really enjoyed the color palette of the teddy bear spaceship.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: It was just nice and kind of calming but interesting at the same time.
1: They did have some good color. I mean, mostly the color palette really reminded me of Adventure Time. Yeah. And a lot of the, like, contemporary Adventure Time style for tuning or, like, you know, some, um, you basically like those, you know, vibrant pastels. But yeah. But it was definitely enjoyable.
0: <laughs> uh, and we didn't talk about the um, character designs, but they, they're they basically pretty penward, I think. Just very yeah. Adventure Time.
1: Totally. Well, the animation style definitely is. Um Yeah character designs yeah i would go the same direction like you get you know like the giant deer dogs as we mentioned you get one character who's the one who was you know the guy who was arrested as a teen and prison for murder is represented by a fish swimming inside a, a fish bowl that's attached to like you know a suit with human arms and legs
0: <laughs> yeah that seemed like an adventure time character i think like i could be convinced i saw that guy head.
1: Yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> and then he captains a ship full, of, like, run by cats. Like, <laughs> yeah. And the There's cats managed
0: to uh, escape their simulation too.
1: Yes, they. I mean, so, I love that each episode has a conversation and its own real plot that all so tie together. <laughs> and it's I, I would love to work on something like that where I listen to a conversation and go. What's some crazy abstract fantasy plot in a crazy abstract fantasy world that would also have a parallel narrative to what's being talked about and run in the same amount of time? I would love to do something like that. It sounds so fun.
0: Animation production-wise, I think it's a good idea to, in general, record the dialogue first and then do the timing animation afterwards. That seems just to make things feel more visually natural. I don't know what I'm trying to say. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no i think i know what you mean but it's actually not usually how it's done
0: no no well it's in, usually um, done
1: the opposite so
0: in japanese animation it's entirely drawn beforehand and dubbed in after
1: totally yeah it is and there's, um i don't know
0: a, hmm. there's been a trend with some western shows now with a where it's um storyboard driven where they give the the story the voice actors storyboards they do the uh dialogue sometimes with with uh, improvisations, and then afterwards it's sent off to be drawn. Um, uh, Steven Uni- Universe was like
1: that. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Well,
0: and as someone who's tr- trying to spontaneously figure out time animation timing, I think it must be kind of interesting to work within a very specific amount of time in order to complete an animation.
1: Hmm. Yes. I definitely think each has its benefits and each kind of has its downfalls. Like, I can see why it's a lot easier for an animator to be like, I know how mouth sounds are and I know what characters are going to say Mm -hmm. and make the mouths move (laughs) and have the voice actors be the ones who have to try to (laughs) time their pronunciation and their, you know, their delivery.
0: Uh, I'm familiar with a human mouth. Uh, I got this.
1: (laughs) 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 What I mean is, you know, you can animate mouths very simply. There's three basic sound shapes, but it's a little bit, in my opinion, easier, you know, for a voice actor to be like, let me paste this to what I see on screen than it is for an animator to try to, like, do the mouth to what they hear. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but it's just, because I'm just coming from the drawing side of it, I'm like, (laughs) make my life easier.
0: But I'm thinking, like, if you're making a timing chart, I'm the kind of person that's, like, terrified of the blank page. If you're making a timing chart when there's no restrictions, I I don't know what to do. But if there's a certain amount of frames you need to move something, I think I can work within that that restriction. That sounds fun fun for me.
1: Well, it is definitely nice to have, you know, kind of a premise set out before you. And that's why I said earlier, yeah, we'd love... To be given a conversation and told to animate it abstractly, like, totally. hmm It's, like, kind of that, um, it's like a writing prompt, you know? It's, like, write about this and this. Yeah. And that's always fun. And I actually think a lot more ideas come from piggybacking off of other people's, product, like, other people's ideas than anything else. So, I think the animators having exposure to these interviews that were really insightful... Yeah. The really interesting conversation topics probably inspired them to have a lot of ideas. It certainly did for me.
0: Well, um, what's it called? Leica, the local um, claymation studio. Mm hmm I talked to somebody who was a um, face animator for there once. And mm. what what they do there is they they have the, the actor record all the audio and they also like visually record them. And then when they're animating they get to see the visual performance also and get to incorporate that w- with their animating. That's cool. Yeah, it's so, like, if, they, like if, if the actor does a fun like physical movement in in the booth, they they can uh, recreate that if they want to.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean I think that would again be a great jumping off point to animate. Is having like, I mean for me when I draw,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, if I have you know when I do I do comics right, so if I have a comic idea in mind. The first thing I do is the kind of act it out. Even if I'm drawing about dogs, usually I'll watch my dog and what she does, <laughs> but sometimes I'll, like, pretend to be a dog and, like, act out a movement, and then I will do my, you know, my panels from there, like, what was the most interesting movement.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how you have all these, like, I don't want to say high art, but, like, very artistic pursuits that basically boil down to, and if you want to do them well, you have to play pretend like the l- little kids do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, why do you think I got into cartooning?
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> voice acting is the same thing. Like, if you want to give that performance, like you're, like it sounds like you're smiling when you're talking when you're smiling, you know. Yes. Yeah.
1: I sort of I do understand what you mean. <laughs> uh, I mean, voice acting honestly sounds super fun. <laughs> I think yes. I'd be good at it. You know. Yeah. I've got yeah. A, I've got character you got a lot of character <laughs> thank you charmed i'm sure
0: well we'll just get you uh set up on the equipment side
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that one so well
0: oh, long on. so long podcast short <laughs> this is a <laughs> this is a recommend from both of us i believe
1: totally yeah. um just be prepared to cry like I don't know what sort of heartless monster you'd be if you didn't cry after that last episode. <laughs> yeah,
0: and be prepared to think about existence whether or not you exist or even want to.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's super fun.
0: Yeah, th- this isn't a, like a, a candy type of show. This is oatmeal gruel that you need to survive.
1: <laughs> mm. Yeah. But with candy sprinkled on top.
0: Definitely, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and like the best candy, you
0: know the best candy, yeah,
1: like uh, Starbursts. <laughs> no way, Smarties.
0: Is that your final answer? Or that that we're gonna go with?
1: I don't know. What, what, <laughs> <laughs> what are the kids into? Talkies, Talkies.
0: Uh, top. <laughs> Fortnite.
1: Fortnite sprinkled on top.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you for joining us in this long winded episode about a long winded series.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I actually thought we were going to spend way longer talking about this. I'm not going to lie. I'm really impressed with this for keeping it this short.
0: I'm trying to make the mature mature decision for once and shut this down.
1: (laughs) All right. Shut it down, Dom. Shut it down. Over. (laughs) I've been Dom. I have been Tori, or maybe not.
0: (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Please join us in the next episode. And whatever you're supposed to say at the end of a podcast.
1: (laughs) End podcast. End it. Okay. (laughs) I'm
0: going to stop the recording.
1: (laughs) Me too.
0: And say.